You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and joining me today, as she typically does on Fridays, great way to, great way to wrap up the work week with Jessica Kleinschmidt, also from FanRag and many other destinations online. Jessica, thanks so much for joining me again today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, yeah, glad to have you here, as I am uh, every Friday. Um, how are your brackets doing so far? Ew, I don't do that. I think it's so <laughs> dumb. I seriously do. I can't get into it. The only ones I pay attention to are like the chicken tender ones or what's the best fast food restaurant. I don't do brackets. And Nevada lost last night. My hometown lost. And there was extra pressure on them. And I don't know. This this town really doesn't get into any type of sporting event. So it was kind of cool to have that happen. But I can't get into brackets. I like, I'm really bad. I'm, I hate predictions, let alone a full-on bracket. I can't get into it. Do you Do you go crazy over brackets? You know, I, I don't go crazy, um, but I, I do them. Uh, it seems like each year I pay less and less attention, and, and my focus just gets narrower and narrower on Michigan and the Big Ten. <laughs> so, right. And the same, I think, is true for college football for me. So I, I did uh, enjoy this morning uh, watching Michigan win in advance to the next round. Uh, but, yeah, I do brackets. I probably – I should probably be more like you, Jess, because um, every year – I'm in, you know, at least one pool, and I also have a little sort of, you know, friendly competition with my wife, and I, I never mm-hmm. win. I never ever win. I know it's because women rule the world. That's what it is. That that may be why. <laughs> I, you know, there are probably lots of explanations, uh, but no matter how much or how little I pay attention, uh, she always wins. So uh, I'm ahead right now, but uh, you know, I'm this. This is my this is my mo. Do great on day right. one, and then it it all kind of falls apart. So, mm-hmm. uh, sorry to to assume that you are uh, part of the the madness, but uh, no, it's okay. I it's, it's like I just don't want to. I don't want to lie to anybody and, and have it be like <laughs> you know when you're in college where you're, you haven't paid attention all season, and then all of a sudden you have to like take this test. That's what it reminds me of. Like I don't want to fill out a bracket when I haven't been paying attention all season. I just feel like that's well, unfair. Well, I know you're you're paying attention to uh, the World Baseball Classic, and and I've been seeing yes. you remark on Twitter, and you wrote something, uh, you know, recently, uh, I believe for FanRag. Uh, and now I hope I'm right. Now that's out of my mouth uh, on the uh, some of the players in the WBC. Uh, was mm-hmm. that a FanRag piece? It was a FanRag piece. Yes, yeah. Okay. Sir. Good. Good for me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> any. Uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but any any performances that are uh, uh, catching your eye so far? Or you're just you're just sitting back and just enjoying it. I'm kind of both. It's actually the the reason why I started off on the piece writing about um, this guy named Vladimir Ballantyne, and the reason why it was um, this guy was like, "Hey, have you seen this guy play?" And it turned into a completely different piece, which was kind of interesting. So I started reaching out to people who have played overseas, like C.J. Nikowski. You know, he was a, a veteran in MLB, and then he went overseas to play in Japan. Talked about Lilimo Pena. My friend Ethan Chapman, he was formerly of the Royals organization. Now he's playing in Mexico. So it turned into this piece saying, like, oh, well, you know, the WBC is kind of cool. Like, you get to see these new these players try to reinvent themselves. And then I started comparing, you know, playing in the States, comparing to overseas, talked to somebody from the Australia WBC. 
ABC team. So it was a really interesting piece to kind of see like how they play in the States compared to overseas, if the competition's different, you know, the, the vibe, the culture, everything like that. So it started off as looking at Vladimir from the Netherlands and it turned into this whole different type of, of piece. So I was really, it, I ended up falling in love with the piece. Yeah, well, uh, it was was a good piece, uh, and you know, good to catch up on some of those players that we haven't uh, heard from in a while. And yeah. Uh, speaking, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of uh, the WBC, one of our news items relates to uh, the U.S. Venezuela game from the other night. Uh, Martin Prado left that game early with a hamstring injury. Uh, we discussed yesterday on the show how he was going back to Miami to get that checked out. It is now reported he's going to get an MRI. So. Mm. nothing uh, substantive there really to report yet, but never, you know, it's never really an encouraging thing when you hear about a player getting it, getting an MRI. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, tomorrow what becomes of that uh, in the meantime, uh, what and I realize uh, Prado is not somebody who's typically being drafted in 12 team mixed leagues, but, you know, very much uh, somebody who should be on rosters that are just a little bit deeper. Does this change anything for you, Jess, uh, up to this point? No, not really. Um, but the, the term MRI at this point of the quote season, I kind of take with a grain of salt. Scott Kasner had an MRI and that came out fine. And now he's still just throwing like me. And, you know, it's kind of like, I don't really know. But um, it's kind of like, I, I, this doesn't change anything for me. I think after the MRI, it will. Um, but I feel like MRI has a bigger term than needs to be. I just get finicky about spring training, quote, injuries, if they really are injuries kind of deal. So it's just kind of a wait and see kind of thing once those results do come back. Yeah, I, and I and I and I absolutely agree with that. You know, but now, of course, you know we're on the the verge of the weekend here. I imagine quite a few people are probably drafting this weekend, and so, like I said, mm-hmm. Prado might not even be on the radar for them. And if he was, this just might be the sort of thing that might uh, push somebody to go elsewhere for a third right. baseman if they're waiting very late. But mm-hmm. uh, I imagine it's probably drawing a little bit of interest and intrigue for Derek Dietrich, who I would assume would be the replacement. If, if one was needed early in the season uh, and Dietrich too, I, I think in terms of drafting may not really be on the radar outside of some deeper formats. But I know last year, um, particularly early on, he off, got off to a very good start and got a lot of regular uh, playing time with the D Gordon suspension. So uh, Dietrich, uh, oddly enough, you know, maybe be drawing more interest than, than Prado, depending on, on how this develops. Interesting. Yeah. So like you said, Wait and see. Uh, you also mentioned right. Scott Casimir. We're going to get to him in just a couple minutes, but uh, just a couple of other items before we do. Max Scherzer, who we uh, talk about frequently because of his mm-hmm. uh, finger injury, he is now going to get back on the mound and start next Wednesday, or at least tentatively uh, scheduled to start mm-hmm. Wednesday against the Cardinals. So definitely a positive development for Max Scherzer. Now his stock has yeah. not been really impacted much in terms of ADP. Mm-hmm. So maybe nothing to see there, really. But uh, that start, if he makes it, will be something that uh, we should all watch closely and carefully. Carlos Carrasco. Yeah, he's, not, he's, yeah. not, he's throwing his, what, two-seam fastball. I just wrote about it on Fangraph today, uh, yesterday. But he just he's throwing um, a certain yes, grip because that, that was what his main thing was, was that, that grip. That three-finger fastball and, grip, yep. 
Yeah, and he said it's the first time um, that he hasn't had any pain throwing it. And like I mentioned in that article, it was like, I wish I could be like Max Scherzer where I get injured, but nobody's like tripping over it. Like, it's just <laughs> fine. He'll be fine. You know, anybody else gets injured, you're like, wow. But it's Max Scherzer. And of course, it was the it was an intense injury, so nobody was freaking out. It didn't affect his ADP. It didn't affect my mentality towards him. I'm still worried to face him if I ever have to. So it's totally kind of that scenario. But I wish I had like that kind of repertoire where I'm like, oh, he's injured, but it's fine because it's Max Scherzer, you know? He's Max Scherzer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, he's he's a special pitcher. So uh, yeah. hopefully all things will uh, develop positively from here on out. Carlos Carrasco, also a special pitcher. And also mm-hmm. looking to return on March 24th, uh, and that will be uh, against the Cubs. So, um, you know, next week we'll have a couple of uh, couple of comebacks to watch there. And we actually, um, I had Brandon Warren on the show yesterday, and we talked at some length about Carrasco. We we really agreed, and that was before this news came out that there was a a definitive return date for Carrasco. We both agreed that we were sort of treating it like Scherzer, like uh, even though. Uh, you know, it it was, I think, uh, in some ways, a scarier uh, injury. That you know, there's just such scarcity among the top starting pitchers that mm-hmm. we were really willing to to kind of give Carrasco the benefit of the doubt and and really play wait and see there. You know, until, right. until we definitively saw something to worry about. So now we've got a positive development to to back that up. So let's get back to Scott Casimir, because uh, not such a positive development here. Uh, yesterday was throwing in the 82 to 84 mile per hour range with his fastball, you know, which typically is in the lower 90s. So mm-hmm. not uh, not really a good development there for Casimir. And meanwhile, you, you've got a very crowded rotation situation with the Dodgers. So you know, really, this is as it typically is with, with these kinds of uh, news stories, a two-part issue. And one is, what does this do for you in terms of wanting anything to do with Casimir on draft day and also looking ahead and, and who might you be bumping up in the event that there's there's something wrong there? Well, when it comes to Casimir, like over the last couple of seasons, they haven't been too stoked on him. And if anything, with this scenario, we know the velocity has dropped and it has been dropping over the last couple of seasons. But to see those numbers with his quote fastball, which I actually referred to it as a slow ball in my latest um, article for Fangraphs, um, it was kind of like, it, it, it's, it's scary, but it definitely is a deciding factor. If, if I was ever on, you know, kind of the edge, do I want to take him or not? This is a huge deciding factor for me to stay away from him. Yeah, I just I, I have a hard time believing, you know, now uh, very much unlike what I was just saying about Carrasco. And again, Casimir's not been a producer on that level, but not willing to give Casimir really any benefit of the doubt here. And and for me, this definitely means that Alex Wood's stock, at least in my estimation, goes goes way up. And I would imagine mm-hmm. that uh, he could be starting sooner than later. And um I, I, I like Ross Stripling. I'm kind of rooting for him to get somehow find mm-hmm. a way into that rotation. And I agree. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. I don't think it would come at the expense of Alex Wood, but that's that's certainly a name for me that, particularly in deeper formats, is going to be a little more front and center than it was before. So, yeah, Ross uh, Stripling. Yeah. I do not want to see you in the PCL next year. If, like for at any reason, I actually was I was probably 
I think I can't remember who was up to bat, but when he was throwing to him, and I don't, I don't like, I don't know how to evaluate pitchers like the the hardcore scouts do, but watching him in my little little unknowing baseball girl type of way, he throws hard. <laughs> he really, really does, and it's always interesting. I love pitchers if they can dominate in the PCL. I know for a fact they're going to do pretty solid once they get bumped up. But the guy just has so much velocity when he throws. I love watching him pitch. Yeah, yeah, I think he could really, you know, be be a beast if he gets a, mm-hmm. an extended chance to be in the rotation. And he may just wind up in the bullpen, like I said. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, initially there there may not be a place for him, but uh, you know, the, these things do have a way of working themselves out sometimes. And 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 right. again, we haven't even mentioned Julio uh, Urias uh, yet, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's a very very crowded mix there uh, that maybe is about to get slightly less crowded. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, heading down on I-5 a little bit. Well, Myers had a muscle spasm, but nothing to worry about there because uh, it reportedly resolved itself, and he is now feeling fine. So mm-hmm. uh, for somebody, though, who has had some back problems in his past, is this at all a red flag or a pink flag, a yellow flag? I'm not sure <laughs> how you downgrade it, but does it doesn't worry you. <laughs> A pink flag. I would say like a light pink flag. Yeah. But I mean, it's Will Myers. Maybe he just slept on it wrong because you know how the media is like somebody like who reported it probably just heard him say like, Ooh, my back kind of hurts. And my neck kind of hurts. He probably just slept on it wrong in this kind of scenario, but it's Will Myers. I mean, he's not like a top, you know, first rounder for me, but I don't think this would affect any sort of mentality I had around him. Yeah. Well, you know, he really, got a lot of mileage out of that great first half that, you know, that earned him an all-star berth. Um, and he was mm-hmm. one of the top producers in the first half in all of fantasy last year. Uh, but I have to say, I just, I remain surprised that, um, that Myers is, is being drafted as high as, as he was. I don't know if this is something that's going to affect it. And I guess the way, you know, for me, it's, you know, maybe, uh, a red herring of sorts because I just I'm not drafting Will Myers this year because it's it's very unlikely he's going to fall as far as I would need him to fall for me to have the right. assurance that okay uh, I'm going to take the inconsistencies and the and the the health uh, issues with him and um, mm-hmm. you know and and live with that so for me yeah it's it's not a game changer because I was already you know well kind of right. behind the, the curve I guess on the uh, on 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 uh, drafting Myers for this year anyway. Uh, all right, a couple more items, uh, a couple of Braves injury updates. Dansby Swanson and Adonis Garcia are expected to return tomorrow. That's Saturday. Uh, Swanson coming back from a back injury. Garcia, a hamstring issue. So uh, all is good there. Sort of an interesting development with the Braves that it looks like Emilio Bonifacio is a front runner to get uh, a bench job, a utility job with the Braves. And, uh, you know, so I'm watching these situations closely because, you know, not that, if, for example, if Swanson had a setback, it, it could be Chase Darno instead who, who fills in mm-hmm. for him. But if there were any opportunity for Bonifacio to uh, get some playing time, I don't know, be be interesting, you know, be a, talk about cheap steals. I mean, he's yeah, pre, has pretty much been off the radar. So, you know, if there were maybe an injury or, or, you know, maybe a couple of injuries like we have here or, you know, just some development that would give him playing time. Uh, that's another name, I think, that you could you could tuck away. 
I agree. Yeah. So, uh, well, I was not a paying, a paying close enough attention. We are overdue for a break here. So let's head into break, and we'll come back and talk about some of the players who made some waves in spring training games yesterday. Stay tuned. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And joining me today is Justin Funchman, also from FanRag. And uh, just we wrapped up uh, the major news items just before the break, uh, but we have yet to get to any of the uh, in-game action that's happened recently. So let's get to it. Uh, let's start with Robbie Ray, who's somebody mm-hmm. that we've talked about a bit this spring. But I think not as mm-hmm. much maybe as, as we could have because certainly I read a lot about Robbie Ray. Um, the, the strikeout rate, the whiff rate that he put up last year, I think it's got, he's got a lot of people excited about him as a possible sleeper you know, because those, those strikeouts really didn't translate into a, a very good ERA or whip. So mm-hmm. com- coming into the spring, how are you feeling about Robbie Ray? Were you, you one of the legions that – thought that he could break through this year or uh, you know, more, a more cautious approach on him? I'm not that cautious on him. He's actually like one of my sleeper picks without, I mean, with him, with the term sleeper, it's interesting because when you're looking at him, you know, from a strikeout perspective, it's there, but he has that high ERA. So a lot of times you, you're not really sure. Like if you're looking at your competition, like who you're in your pool with, with your fantasy league, you don't know what people are going to put their, their hearts out for, you know, but and he reminds me of a kind of like a Pineda kind of guy where you have like a lot of strikeouts, but you have high numbers elsewhere. So that's kind of where he, it really depends on how you're looking at him. I've watched him pitch. I love watching him pitch. Um, he, he's just in a weird kind of, you know, league on a weird kind of broth or a rotation kind of deal. But I love Robbie Ray. I, I know that ERA is high, but I don't necessarily think people need to put their hearts out for it. Unless, of course, you're in my league and I'm trying to steal him away from you. I'm going to try to pe- pump that up like, wow, look at that higher ERA. I don't know about you, but I really like him from, um, from a perspective. And he's in a difficult league. The NOS is a lot of competition. Um, and I think people tend to forget about that. Um, so he's honestly one of my one of my favorite pitchers heading into this season. Not just, you know, fantasy-wise, of course, but I'm really excited to see what he does, um, especially from, you know, last year he was in my DFS picks uh, consistently. And he, he won a lot of tournaments for some of the, the Sharks players out there. So mm-hmm. it was really interesting to see that. Um, but I'm really excited to see what he does from a season-long perspective as well. Well, you must have loved what he did yesterday uh, because it's against, mm-hmm. the, against the Brewers. Four innings, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Now, he did allow three runs, two of which were earned. So in one respect, in this little microcosm, it was the same old story for Robbie Ray, which is a high ERA, but a good, a great strikeout rate. But mm-hmm. the, the part of that stat line that absolutely stands out for me is the zero walks. Now, it's just four innings, mm-hmm. just one opponent. But now if you stack up his last three Cactus League starts in a row – uh, over 10 and a third innings, just one walk. So uh, it's encouraging. It's encouraging because right. uh, clearly he missed a lot of bats last year, but the control was not ideal. And he, he gave up a lot of extra base hits. So at least on one of those fronts, we're seeing some movement in the right direction. And I always want to soft pedal how I describe these things because 10 innings, in a regular season context, is still something we shouldn't overreact to. We definitely shouldn't be doing that in spring training. But 
you know, at least he's not walking the, you know, walking the the stadium. <laughs> uh, right. It's right. training. So, so there's that. Mm-hmm. He's got that so, going for him. And, and that's the thing, like, that's what I, it, he's just interesting. You know, it's high strike at if everything else is, ugh, you know, it's really difficult and you can only concentrate on that strike at number for so long. But like I said, I can't really take it away from him. He's, I'm really excited to see what he does. Well, and we uh, have another pitcher who pitched uh, very well yesterday who is a potential breakout candidate. You could argue he, he broke out late last year, Ivan Nova, who just mm-hmm. was a totally different pitcher once he got to Pittsburgh and, and got to Ray Searage. And, you know, we've seen that story repeat itself over and over where uh, pitchers come to Pittsburgh and particularly pitchers who have had some some control issues and they come to Pittsburgh and then they, they solve them. And so Nova walked virtually nobody after becoming a pirate right. and that trend has just mm-hmm. continued into uh spring training against the red sox five innings one run five k's no walks so a nice line for nova a nice spring training overall for him and he uh, over 10 innings so uh, almost the same amount as robbie ray just uh, one right. walk so the virtually the same ratio for both of them so again you know just looking for some sign of validation that this isn't going to be uh, just a, a, a fluky thing uh, mm-hmm. for, for Ivanova, and maybe uh, th- this is a change that can stick. Uh, do, do you believe in the change that Nova made late last year? And does that mean anything in terms of how you're treating him in drafts? It, it did. I think moving to the NL was huge for him. And um, not just that, like he has such a strong defense behind him um, playing in PNC. It is, you know, very much a pitcher's park as well. So there's so many awesome elements going for him. Um, so he, he really got me excited. With, because at first, you know, it bummed me out. Like I, I kind of like seeing, um, I'm, I'm kind of an AL girl at heart, but when he went to um, this scenario and all those positive elements, you know, like I mentioned, the defense and everything else, I think he's just going to be unstoppable this this season. Unstoppable. Well, I, I think that Ivanova yeah. might be able to be stopped. I, I'm not going to go <laughs> to that extreme. <laughs> I just but get it, really excited, Al. I'm really excited over Ivanova. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I do. I like this sort of pitcher as a value pick, and I'm actually almost right after the show today. I'm going to start on a piece for Fan Rag about pitchers who are great values because they don't, they're very successful despite a relative lack of strikeouts. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know that Nova's going to make the cut necessarily. I've got to look at ADP versus where I've got him ranked to see if he's going to make the cut. But he's certainly somebody I'm considering uh, writing about that piece. But he, he certainly typifies the sort of pitcher that I like to target in the mid to late rounds. Um, when, you know, the strikeout pitchers, that are left are, are ones that do have, you know, they're, they're the Robbie Rays and the Michael Pinedas, uh, you know, who may have some flaws in their past. Uh, you know, I, I actually tend to go more for the Nova type guy uh, than, you know, the Ray or Pineda type. Uh, if if mm-hmm. you're talking that, that stage of the draft. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, take a look at uh, some players involved in some position battles. Now these are really more low key type position battles that may not influence anybody's, decisions in a 12-team mixed league draft, but, you know, in a, in a deeper uh, deeper draft, uh, these could have some real impacts. The Tigers still don't have a center fielder. I think mm-hmm. um, Tyler Collins has been presumed to be the front runner, but Jacoby Jones is having a pretty nice spring, and he built on that yesterday against the Braves, two for two with a walk and uh, hit a home run. Brought his uh, spring training on base percentage up to 393, 
And Jones is somebody who, in his minor league career, has put up some nice OBPs. Right. So that's not necessarily a, a, a totally fluky thing for him. Uh, any interest in handicapping this race? Or if not, what are just your general thoughts of uh, you know who's involved and, and who, if anybody, might uh, stoke your interest in, in the draft? Yeah, I mean, Jacoby's definitely somebody that's come up a little bit. I mean, he's athletic and everything like that. I just get nervous about the amount of games he hasn't played in the bigs, and I feel like that's what a lot of people are going to be concentrating on, which could ultimately benefit someone. Maybe they'll get a steal on him because people look at the fact that he's only played in 13 games in 2016. I don't know. Um, he's, his numbers don't really get me excited kind of deal. Um, and his, he strikes, he did strike out a lot when he did um, play in those games last year. So that's what people are concentrating on. If they're, if they're not like really high up on the spring training numbers, I haven't really seen his at bats during spring training. I really haven't been seeing who he's been, who's been tossing to him. So I can't give you a hundred percent report on that, but he's definitely been somebody that's, you know, I know he's athletic and this and that, and, you know, something to pay attention to in regards to the, the competition, but who's going to get that starting role. But I don't know. I, I just get really nervous to be a small amount of, you know, outings for, for any tour, any sort of um, player. So 13 games, yeah. that just really makes me nervous. It really does. You know, if we could go in the time machine back to, I don't know, 2016 or definitely 2015 yeah. when, um, you know, the, there was, wasn't quite so much power in the infield positions, then, you know, Jones would be somebody, and, and he's, you know, generally third base eligible. So we're not really talking middle infield, although, um, uh, you know, he's, he's, I think he has some middle infield experience in the minors, but, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, certainly as a third baseman, the combination of, of power and speed that he showed in the minor leagues would be really intriguing to me. It's not extreme power and speed. It's just, you know, maybe he could be a 15-15 player or, you know, 10-10. Uh, which would be just enough to kind of get him on the edges of mixed league viability. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to be playing outfield and it's a different, uh, it's a different landscape now. So, you know, even with third base I eligibility, I just don't think that, you know, his profile is really all that exciting. And, you know, and again, got a couple weeks left, so no guarantees that he gets the job anyway. Now Whit Merrifield in uh pretty much wide open second base competition, Kansas city went three for three, Four with a triple against the Padres, and his OBP is up to 375. Any any more interest with him, perhaps, than Jacoby Jones? Very much so, and I think that has a lot to do with the impact he made when he first got promoted. Um, really made a huge impression in regard, like in the box, and I really liked that. Um, and he. For the trip, as far as AAA goes, you know, obviously he came from the PCL as well. Um, so that's something that I always keep in the back of my mind. But he did great. His transition was not bad at all. So that was definitely something that I was excited about. Um, the strikeout percentage um, is very – it isn't too bad, I mean, if you will. But um, and his, he doesn't walk a lot, which is something that I always keep in the back of my mind as well. But he had enough games where I'm, I'm confident in taking a chance on him. Um, but, you know, between – his pretty solid numbers and um, an okay spring or a good spring, I should say. I've always actually kind of liked him in, in regards to a fantasy pick for sure. But, you know, he's not a type of situation I'm going to get like, I'm more excited about Avon Nova, obviously, but you can't really fake that excitement that I just gave you at the beginning of the show. But when it comes to Whit Merrifield, <laughs> he's definitely, so, yeah, he's definitely somebody that uh, is on my radar, radar for sure. I could see myself like if, if I really had to, I could fight over him. He's somebody that's worth fighting over. I, I think he's going to have a pretty solid season. 
Yeah, no, I liked what he did last year, even though he tailed off a bit towards uh, towards the end of the season. Just remember, you can't spell wit without hit. So, I that saw that on your notes. That was, that was like, how <laughs> owl of you. How owl of you. Well, on that, that very owl note, we're going to head to break. A uh, couple of pitching performances uh, I'd like to uh, opine on when we come back. And let's talk about the Orioles. Haven't done much of that. So uh, we'll do all that when we return for break. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with me today is Jessica Kleinschmidt, also from FanRag Sports. And we were in the midst of a discussion of some of yesterday's standout performances in spring training. We ran a little short on time, and a couple that I think definitely deserve some mention, a couple of pitching performances, one being that from Eddie Butler, who's trying to revive his career. In fact, his career really, I mean, it, it got derailed before it really had a chance to get started with the Rockies. Uh, but a great performance against the Dodgers. Four shutout innings, four Ks, no walks, just one hit. I don't see that there's any room for Butler in the Cubs rotation. That's really not been something that's been discussed. But uh, just do you see Butler as a draft and stash option in any sort of fantasy format for this year? Honestly, no, he, ha- he hasn't really come up on my radar. I wish I could really talk him up, but it's difficult for me. Um, if you want to go to the storyline, like you, you mentioned, trying to reboot your career, but even then, I don't really keep that in the back of my mind. It's just kind of like, he's there, uh, not a guy that I'm even really considering. Yeah, well, I think with another team, maybe there'd be more mm-hmm. interest. Maybe you'd have more interest. Right. I think in general, there'd be more interest. But yeah, it's just, it's hard to see where he'd fit in because as it is, you know, there seems like there's a certain amount of hype around Mike Montgomery who would not seem to be the front runner for the fifth starter spot. Uh, getting yeah. Edged out by Brett Anderson, most likely uh, Anderson, of course he, you know, he's very self deprecating about his injury history. Yeah. So, you know, even he will, you know, acknowledge that, um, you know, he's not exactly an, an innings eater, but um, yeah, you know, be, between those two, I'm not sure where there's, there's room for Butler, but uh, I don't know. It's just, it's I mean, a bit, I think, well, yeah. I think him moving away from Coors may kind of boost his situation. If you could derive Coors as a pitcher for all those years, I think, you know, you got something on your side, but I think moving away from uh, Coors still, maybe people can stash him a little bit deeper as far as that could, the mentality there. But I mean, it's just really difficult for me to make a case for him. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, Interesting uh, performance this spring. Uh, not somebody that I think you can just ignore at this point as you know, someone who, who just did not meet expectations of Colorado. Mike Fulton-Nevich has been getting a little bit more love and attention uh, in drafts, uh, but he uh, continues to have a nice spring. Four innings against the Tigers with just one run allowed, just one walk, and seven strikeouts. Now, the strikeouts are not really uh, a new thing for Fulton-Nevich, Although uh, he did, he had an interesting 2016 season that I think it didn't go unnoticed, but maybe still didn't get as much attention as it deserved because he really took a step forward in, in a number of ways. Even though the the strikeout rate uh, per nine was roughly the same, that uh, the strikeout rate per plate appearance went up substantially from 19 percent to 21 percent. 
did a much mm-hmm. better job of getting hitters to chase pitches out of the zone, just avoiding contact in general, which also helped him to lower his walk rate. So Yeah, he, uh, he definitely lowered his walk rate. Th- those numbers were phenomenal. He definitely dropped that. That's the one thing that I noticed about him. Yeah, and um, also increased the ground ball rate. He really had been an extreme fly ball pitcher. Now he's a much less extreme version of one. <laughs> so, you know, maybe yeah. they're baby steps, but they're steps in the right direction. And, and you know, uh, some good spring performances here. Uh, is, is, is this something that uh, makes fulton more noteworthy uh, as you're, uh, you know, looking to finish out a, a rotation uh, towards the end of a draft? Actually, yes. And, and I'm glad because when I first, when he kind of first came on my radar last season, I couldn't, I didn't know how to pronounce his last name. So luckily I didn't have to like talk about it too much. And then this time around, I'm like, you know what? He's actually like being good. So it's Fulton, Fulton Nevich, right? Fulton Nevich. Got it. Yes. Yes. Um, so now, now that I can pronounce his last name, I can actually work with him. So like you mentioned, like the ground ball, the, the ground ball situation, he definitely dropped his walk. So his numbers were much of an improvement and, you know, he obviously has a pretty solid, uh, defense behind him. So that doesn't worry me as much as, you know, other teams could be. So he's definitely on my radar. If I needed to finish out a rotation, absolutely. I would look at him. Yeah. And I'm just, uh, pulling up the, the overall spring numbers here, uh, so he does have four walks. So that that uh, performance yesterday brought his his spring walk rate, you know, back to something that's you know at least respectable. So um, you know, and again, we're working with small spring samples here, so uh, you know we can't read too much into into any of it. But that's that's one of the things that you have to look for Fultonavich's for him to maintain the gains that he made in control and to do an even better job of keeping the ball in the park. I would imagine that the Braves new park up in Cobb County, it's supposed to be a, a pretty neutral park, but that would mm-hmm. mean that it's actually could be a, at least a slightly more challenging environment than Turner field, which was pretty pitcher friendly. So uh, I'm glad you, you know. brought that up, Al. I was you just are. published in a book with ballpark factors. The main thing when it comes to this new field, um, SunTrust, is the one thing that, you know, obviously Freddie Freeman loves his side because they made sure that Freddie Freeman would like the right side of, of the field is um, in, at Turner, the outfield uh, was more curved. And mm-hmm. with the new field, it's more straight, which sounds like it wouldn't be a big issue, but you a ball hits that the right way. Um, and it could be, you know, detrimental. Um, it's a further left um, center field kind of scenario that could worry a lot of guys. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that'll be an interesting um, scenario. But when they were constructing, they made sure Freddie Freeman was the happiest camper in regards to that. And he is. The, the, right, the right side of the field is all about whatever Freddie Freeman wants. Everything else he's kind of screwed. But the outfield scenario, if a ball does hit it in the wrong spot, as opposed to it being curved where it was at um, Turner, now that it's straighter, it could be a different kind of bounce-off option, which sounds silly, but you never really know. You know, it could be it, – it could go crazy and be possessed, one of those really weird hops that could cost an extra – base um so that that was definitely something interesting that i looked at when i was allowed to be geeky writing this ch- chapter it was actually a really interesting scenario because we we don't know how it's going to be but that's that was something that i definitely looked into oh well that's that's interesting i hadn't uh, read that so i apologize for yeah we're not reading that but now i have to go check that out um and that's uh, <laughs> uh where can we find that 
Um, it's actually sponsored by Fantasy Sports Network. Um, it's Benny Ricciardi's uh, definitive, definitive Guide to Fantasy Baseball. And he had um, a bunch of really great fantasy baseball writers and myself write um, a chapter per writer. And, yeah, and so I got to do the ballpark factors because I really fell in love with the ballpark factors doing all the DFS work I did last season. And then I realized like you can obviously use that towards your season long, you know, if you want it to be like a tiebreaker type of scenario. So I got to be geeky and look at all the, you know, the architecture and like the building of stuff. So that's what I got to do um, around like January, February time. So that's every time somebody mentions ballpark factors, I get so excited. All right. Really really excited. Got to order that. So um, thank you for uh, for cluing us in on that. Let's get let's get geeky. Uh, I promised we'd uh, talk some Orioles. Uh, I feel yeah. this is going to probably spill over a little bit into the next segment as well. Nothing wrong with that, but let's uh, stay on a geeky uh, on a geeky uh, groove here and talk about Wellington Castillo because I cannot figure out what happened with him last year. Um, he seemed to be, from a power-hitting perspective, as good, maybe even a little better than he was in the 2015 season when once he got to Arizona, he had a major power breakout. Um, right. Hard contact rate went up 1% last year from, now I'm just, just with Arizona, I'm not including early 2015, just his time with Arizona. Hard contact rate last year compared to 2015 went up one percentage point. Pull rate went up two percentage points. His average fly ball distance went up nine feet. None of these are huge changes, but they're, they're steps in the right mm-hmm. direction. And he was a good power hitter before these changes. And his home run to fly ball ratio fell by a third from 21 to 14 percent. So how, how do you read those tea leaves? I mean, it's, you know, I he was an interesting type of scenario. Like, he, you always included him if you want to do some sort of, you know, stacking option in a DFS type of play. Um, and the ballpark factor with me was huge. You know, playing at Chase, like, that was obviously huge for him. But even going to Camden now, I don't think that that's going to change too much. Uh, Camden is very much um, a hitter's a hitter's park. Um, really better mm-hmm. for lefties because it does have the lower outfield on the right side um, and just kind of like the uneven field and that, that power course is there. So I think like if he could take advantage of that somehow, I think he'll do okay. Um, but you're right. Those numbers kind of, you know, definitely helped him out in, in a certain way. And he's, he's the guy that I'm excited about. He's actually, you know, a very, he's not like a, a huge power bat, but he's a huge power bat as a catcher, if that makes any sense. And that's definitely something that I love because, you know, catchers are either going to be hitting the crap out of the ball or they're just going to get on base kind of scenario. But I definitely like him um, for a, a power hitter in the catcher's um, scenario. So I think if you're, if you're looking for a catcher, he's like a top five catcher for me. Yeah. Well, uh, top five is, is I was actually maybe a little higher on him last year and that had more to do with the rest of the field uh, right. than with uh, what I see in Castillo. But um, I, in fact, he, I don't think he's even in my top 10. I think he's just outside of it. Mm. But, but the more I look at this, the more I think that Castillo is, is a great fallback option because talked about this on, on several different episodes where and you really just said it, Jess, that either you've got the Yachty Molina types or, or JT Real Muto types that don't have a ton of power, but they're going to get on base. They're going to hit for average at least. Mm-hmm. And then you've got you know the Brian McCanns, the Evan Gaddises, the the Yasmani Grandals, on and mm-hmm. on Russell Martin, and uh, uh, Castillo is a part of that group, and yet he's being drafted towards the back of that group. And I think right. some of that has to do with that low home run to fly ball ratio last year. That's not mm-hmm. supported by any of his other stats. So he's moving to yet another great power park. 
uh, and moving to a better power division overall. He loses Coors Field mm-hmm. as a place to visit, but uh, you know gains Yankee Stadium, Rogers Center, and uh, you know Fenway, which is a good doubles park. And uh, you know, I, I think that Castillo could be just as good as all those power hitting catchers that are going just before him. So. Right. And if you really look at, yeah, the the way, the way that people talk about Wellington Castillo is interesting. And that's like the easiest way I can say it. They're always like, he's good, but he's not great. He's, he's okay, but he's not bad. He's, it's just an interesting, if you look at everybody, any type of website, and if they're, it's hard to talk him up too much, but it's hard to talk him down. I'm a girl who talks him up. I really like Wellington Castillo. And I think he can, he's, if you get him at the right spot, you can definitely do some damage. That's how I feel about him. All right. Well, we're going to go to break. It'll yeah. give everybody a couple of minutes to think good thoughts about Wellington Castillo. And we'll come <laughs> back and talk about some of the other thumpers in the Orioles lineup. So stay tuned. Welcome back for our final segment of FanRag Fantasy Baseball. Not forever, just for today. Uh, we'll actually be back on Sunday. Uh, Greg Jewett will be our guest then. And I should also mention that uh, a week from now, I will be in New York for uh, Tout Wars. So we'll have uh, we'll be part of a schedule that'll be chock full of Tout Wars coverage with uh, a lot of the uh, Tout participants. Uh, and I'll be participating, of course. Uh, so really looking forward to that. Jess, actually, you'll be on. Uh, so your usual Friday will be on Thursday next week as I'll be mm-hmm. en route to New York. Uh, and with a very special guest host, uh, Nando DeFino. So uh, looking forward to listening to that uh, on demand. And uh, it's all that coming up in our, our near future. But uh, in our recent past, Jess, we were talking about the Orioles, talking about mm-hmm. uh, Beef Wellington Castillo and uh, how we like him as uh, sort of a fallback option, a catcher. But, of course, he's just part of a potentially uh, power-loaded Oriole lineup. I'm not sure when the Orioles lineup is, is ever not power loaded but um you know chris davis and mark trumbo they've both had their ups and downs in recent years trumbo certainly coming off of a very uh up year but but even mm-hmm. last year sort of uneven for trumbo so who do you think is going to have the more productive year uh for fantasy this season uh, davis or trumbo um i feel that's a good question um i feel like i've just been my energy is going a little bit more towards Trumbo. And I don't know if it's because of, even if he does regress a little bit, he'll still put up some okay numbers. Um, but there's always, you know, Crush Davis, why not? Right. And um, so it's definitely something to keep in the back of your mind. I'm just going to go ahead and kind of put more of my, um, you know, energy towards Trumbo. He hit the, he hits the ball hard and that, but that's kind of all he did. You know, and kind of, you know, obviously, you know, a, a 47 bombs last season, and he's obviously hitting at a, at a hitter's park. He hit like 61% of them at home. Um, but even that doesn't say much because when he was on the road, he was still hitting bombs. So that's definitely something that I like to, to pay attention to. He's definitely valuable. He has the name. He got resigned to a team that I know the fans are happy to have him back. Um, so I think my energy is going to go more towards Trumbo. But if Davis has another amazing year, that wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, no, me neither. And um, actually, I'm, I'm more inclined, you know, I've, I'm more inclined to, to target Davis first. Right. And, you know, it's some of that is just the track record because, 
you know, Trumbo's power's always been his strong suit, but last year really was was something of an aberration. And you know, much mm-hmm. like Will Myers, uh, that aberration was really contained to the the first half mostly. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so Davis has had his inconsistencies, but even in the bad years, you know, even in 2014, which was the year he hit 196 and really lost a lot of fancy value. I mean, he still hit 26 home runs and then he bounced back right. from that and hit 47 the following year. So I, I just think that the floor for Davis is much lower. And last year was, you know, something of a modest dip from him from 2015. He hit 221, uh, hit 38 home runs. So he missed the 40 mark, but you know, it's a kind of like a, a Castillo situation where everything pointed to him having just as much power as the year mm-hmm. that uh, is the year before. And probably the biggest change was the, just that he wasn't quite as pole happy. So, you know, you figure, okay, if 38 homers is the floor for him and he, you know, goes back to pulling the ball a little bit more, uh, you know, then you've got a 40, 45, you know, homer guy, you know, probably, you know, 45 homer. Uh, and you know, and I think the batting average could come up a little bit, but you're not you're not going to draft Chris Davis for the batting average anyway. So, so a little right. bit of a of an edge towards him, but I think certainly of the two of them, Davis has the much much better chance of taking an uptick this year. I I, I almost mm-hmm. you know fully expect that Trumbo is going to have a, a, a at least a slightly worse season this year. Mm-hmm. Now, what about Adam Jones? He's been somebody who's been on the downswing the last couple of seasons uh, to the point now where he, you know, he just a couple of years ago was considered a, a borderline number one outfielder. Now he's being taken 28th. Uh, now this is according to fantasy pros composite ADP 28th and ADP among outfielders. Is that, do you think that's justified or uh, are people sleeping on Adam Jones a little bit? I think they're still sleeping on him. Um, the thing I like about Adam Jones is when, you know, looking at him, you're not going to think a lot of power with the way that his body is, but he still, you know, manages to do it. But you look at his walk rate, and I think that's what's going to scare a lot of people. Um, it, it's, like, really low, you know, heading into the season, and that's something that, for him, you want something, you know, you want him to be on to swipe bags for you. You want him to, you know, be a presence on, on the base for you. But I don't think that – I think that might scare too many people away, but I, I don't think that would scare me away, if that makes sense. That way I can kind of swoop in and kind of grab him if I need to. Um, but he's still going to be giving you some, you know, some sort of power kind of deal. So it really depends on what you're looking at. But I think there's um, very much – uh, return on investment, if you will, for him. I think he has had an interesting past, and I think he still has an interesting future ahead of him. Um, the ADP doesn't really sit well for me, but I'm okay with that. I, I'd like mm-hmm. to either talk that up or let people know, be like, hey, you know, I'm really good with the psychological stuff. At least I try to be. But when it comes to this scenario, I really think that he could do a lot of damage. You can really get a lot of bang for your buck when it comes to him. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think he – has a shot to hit 30 homers. He's been just short of that the last three seasons, but he certainly certainly could do that. Now he's stolen a total of 12 bases over the last three years combined. So Yuck. I don't think you can count on him for, for that. And through, I think probably through no fault of his own. I mean, Buckshaw Walter teams just don't steal bases. Right. So, you know, which is un- unfortunate. Um, you know, if you're looking at somebody who has the potential to chip in with, you know, 10 steals or more, which I think Jones, you know, very well may still, have that ability i don't know uh let's just go to pitching real quick here jess uh you know i think the two pitchers that people probably are looking at uh, outside of pretty deep leagues are uh, kevin gosman and dylan bundy uh both you know could be on the uptick still bundy in 
particular, do you see uh, either one as a breakout candidate? I think Bundy is somebody that I'm really excited about. Um, he came up my DFS radar quite a bit last year, super, super cheap, and he was going to do really well for you. So that's when he kind of came up. And I was hoping that I can transition that into a season-long um, type of scenario. But his career is interesting. You know, he's a top prospect. He got injured kind of deal. So it's always something to, to keep um, – your eye on um, his strikeouts are there kind of deal. And obviously he has enough games underneath his belt where I'm quite confident in him. Um, so I'm kind of glad I can have a DFS guy that I can transfer into a, a season long perspective. I really think it's going to be a really solid year for him. Yeah. He's just got to keep the ball in the park. Uh, that's, you know, with both, mm-hmm. of them, you know, Gosman and Bundy, right. that's, uh, that's going to be the big challenge. And uh, you know, because he is a, a fly ball pitcher in a, uh, in a power park and in a power division, uh, I'm going to admit, uh, but even in leagues where I could use Bundy as a reliever, I'm probably not going to be valuing him enough to be able to draft him. But uh, the right. potential is certainly there for for a breakout with uh, either either of those two. Now, Jess, uh, last week uh, I asked you to remind me. You know, let's definitely talk about your 12 by 12 draft, which was supposed to happen this mm-hmm. week. Unfortunately, you you couldn't attend it. You told me uh, so. Right. Um, that's that's uh, you know. I'm sure you're disappointed, but, um, you know, we've got uh, just a little over a minute left, so you can leave us with maybe just one piece of advice based on what your plan was for that draft. What would it be? Unfortunately, this is going to sound bad. I like to go safe um, for my early rounds. Um, but the one thing that I was going to get nervous about was the middle rounds and the end, you know, the end kind of game scenarios. I'm okay with taking chances in the middle, in the middle rounds, but I don't want to go too crazy and go overboard. Like I'm not about to just, do too much of a sleeper scenario during middle rounds. That's where my biggest nerves were around. And I was really excited to talk to you about that. Like if I was going to do something stupid in the middle, middle <laughs> rounds, that's what I would have done, you know, cause I just, I think too much or I overdo it or I get too much of a hardcore gut feeling and I never take, I never step back from it. So I'm, I was hoping that I would keep the mental sounds during the middle rounds. And that's, that's where I struggle the most in any type of draft. So I'm going to remember that for the next time I actually do do a 12 by 12. All right. Well, hopefully next year. Uh, yes. Imagine it might be a little little late for this year. So, um, yeah. Well, good deal, Jess. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing the the wisdom. You know, sorry we didn't get to you know talk about uh, an actual draft uh, uh, this week, but uh, you have you have drafts coming up. I'm actually done for the season. I can't take on any more. I'm done. Uh, Over it. Done. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll still have plenty to talk about. Thank you all for uh, for uh, joining us today. Jess, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, yeah. see you all again on Sunday. Have a great day.